What a joy is mine to be here and to meet you wonderful people of God. And uh, I just love your country here. The, the scenery, my, I talked to my wife on the phone and uh, she said, oh, that's my kind of place. That's my kind of country. And she was raised on a farm. And so uh, I told her all about the scenery and she was just excited about it. So one day I will, uh, I'll be blessed to have her come with me. We thank the Lord for you bringing us together. <clears throat> and uh, Pastor Anthony and Laurie, I met them many years ago. They don't, do not seem to change with age. They're still good looking like they always have been. And uh, also their children, we are blessed to know them throughout these years. <clears throat> I'm excited to meet you, the, the family of God all over the world is flourishing, growing, increasing, multiplying because God is in the midst of us. Praise the Lord. So it's a great blessing. Uh, I'll introduce you to my family. I have four children, two girls, two boys, and nine grandchildren. And uh, I, we are truly blessed uh, <clears throat> to have them. And uh, myself, I was, uh, if you're trying to figure what kind of accent this is that I'm speaking with, uh, it's, uh, I was born in New Zealand, raised there as a young boy, and my parents were called by a prophetic word spoken by Smith Wigglesworth directly to them many years ago in the 1930s. And he was walking down the aisle in a dance hall that they turned into a place of worship. And he stopped halfway down the aisle, turned around and he pointed to my father and mother. And they were not even engaged. They were just liking each other as boyfriend and girlfriend. And he pointed, he says, you two will become husband and wife. You will have children and God will call you to the mission field of Africa. This was in the 1930s, and they got married. They were, uh, when the God gave the call on their life, and we all wound up in Africa, in the central part of Africa. So, and then I came to America for the first time when I was 18 years old, and uh, I was so blessed to be in this nation. I was excited. <clears throat> I'd heard so much about America, and, uh, I, my eyes were wide open. I was a single young man, 18 years of age. I got on a ship from, some, from the southern part of Af South Africa and sailed all the way to England, from England to the United States. And I didn't see my parents for seven years. I went into seminary and uh, training for the ministry. The call was stronger than my attachments to, these, to my family and to the nation of Africa. And the call of God brought me to this nation as well. And what a joy it is to be here. And God has blessed us. I'm just a young whippersnapper at 82 years of age and still going strong. And I praise the Lord. Don't let age become a factor holding you back. You understand what I'm talking about? Because when you start thinking about how old you are, you kind of slow down. My grandkids said to me, they said, Grandpa, they said, what are your plans for the future? I said, I've got a 10-year plan and a 20-year plan. Which one do you want to hear about? <laughs> they said, oh, Grandpa, you'll be 102. I said, yeah. I said, as long as the Lord allows it, I will walk it in his plan and purpose. So it's exciting to be in the midst of you. Praise the Lord. God has been faithful to us as he's led us to over 80 nations around the world. And I want you to know one thing. The body of Christ is alive and well, moving mightily by the Holy Spirit. I remember I was in China and I listened to the cry of the saints of God in China. I want you to know that China 
is pregnant. You hear what I'm saying? China is pregnant. Is pregnant with over 285 million Christians that are crying out to God. So in the midst of that nation, are these believers, and I call it being pregnant with the cry of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I learned many years ago, I met a young man from Korea. And uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, we were having lunch together in the 1960s. And he came in, we sat together across from each other and he looked at me and he said, and he said, Brother Liz, he said, are you pregnant? And I said, excuse me? I may have gained a little bit of weight, but I said, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. And he finally said, I said, uh, well, can you explain? I said, are you pregnant? He said, oh yes, he was a slim man. And I said, well, what, can you explain this to me? And he said, I'm pregnant with a bicycle. I said, yes. He said, I'm pregnant for a, a, a desk from my office. And he said, I'm pregnant for Korea. And then, I, then he began to explain. I said, what are you, why are you pregnant with a bicycle? I need a bicycle so I can ride up and down to the, my cell groups and Bible study and meet with them. I don't need a car. I just need a bicycle. And then I understood what he was saying, that God will impreg impregnate us with his divine plan and purpose within us. And we'll begin to feel strange emotions because God's vision has been impregnated us by the Holy Spirit and it will begin to grow in us and come to fruition. Do you know who that young man was when he told me he was pregnant for Korea? to see Korea brought to Jesus Christ. And over the years, we were friends, had been friends, till he passed on. There was Dr. Young E. Cho, with the largest church, over 300,000 members in his church. He was pregnant with the purpose of God's divine plan for his life and for the crawl of his life to the nation of Korea. What I'm seeing here, Today, as I came upon these grounds yesterday, I saw these grounds are pregnant with the prophetic words that have been spoken over this church, over your lives, over this ministry, over this city. And I want you to know, my friends, it's been going through a process of developing into that which God has planned and purposed. And I see that prophetic word, I hear the sound of it. God is going to unleash a mighty move of the power of Pentecost sweeping across the city, across this church. It was built under the purposes of God and has gone through many struggles. But I want you to know it's about to be birthed. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. What God has declared, he will bring to pass. I remember, it's okay if I just share with you some incidents that have happened. To strengthen your faith. I remember a friend of mine, Bob Jones, a prophet. He called me one day and he gave me Isaiah 55, verse four and five as a prophetic word. And in that prophetic word, it says, you will go to a nation you do not know and you will call on that nation. It will come to you in repentance. When we receive the word from the Lord, don't discard it. Embrace it and hide it within you and still have faith in that word. I remember in the year 2000, I'd been traveling all over the world. And my wife and I were sitting watching television. And on the news was the uprising in the nation of Fiji in the South Pacific. And in that nation, there was bloodshed, hatred, killing one another, uprising. 
The rebel soldiers captured the members of parliament and held them hostage for 55 days. Soldiers were killing soldiers. And as I was watching the news in September, and it was raining outside, we had moved from the, from the den area into the living room, and my wife and I were talking. And about 10 o'clock at night, there was a knock on the door. And my wife said, you better go and answer that. So I got up and I said, who would be coming at this hour of the night in Seattle pouring down rain and, and it was dark, <coughs> pretty late to somebody go visiting. And as I opened the door, there stood three big dark men standing at the door and they said, are you brother Stephen List? And I said, yes. They said, oh, praise the Lord. And I we invited them in. These were three pastors from the nation of Fiji. And I said, how did you, have we ever met before? He said, no. I said, how did you find me? They said, we were praying in our nation of Fiji and over the bloodshed and the hatred and all of that. And we cried out to God, God, bring us a relief, help us. And the word of the Lord came to these pastors separately in their own offices in the churches. And they said, you go to America and you go to this particular man by the name of Stephen Liss and here's the address and you ask him to come to the nation. Within a few days, they had their visas to come to America and people gave money for them to come. And they were standing and they were crying and saying, God sent us to ask you because you have the word that will bring transformation to our nation. There are times that God will mandate you and, and a, a commission that is far above your knowledge and ability. But it's not about your ability, it's about his power and about his wisdom and his knowledge. I want you to know, God knows where you're living right now. I mean, you talk about being put on the spot. I said, how did you find? I said, the Lord gave us your address. And we wrote it down and we were in separate churches. And he gave us your name. I want you to know, he knows more about you than what you know about yourself. So we, we cried together, we prayed together, and the Lord led us to go. My wife and I, we traveled to the nation of Fiji, walked in the midst of all these armies and uh, surrounding the capital and soldiers and machine guns and, and, and burning and looting. And the message that God gave us, he said, this, this were the words. He said, the Lord said, you tell the nation that out of turmoil, God was gonna birth a new nation that would honor him. Turmoil is not always bad, but out of it, something's going to be birthed that will glorify God. I want you to know, ladies, when you were conceiving, bringing forth a child, you brought the, forth, the child forth in pain and agony, but you brought for us a glorious promise and life. And what you have been walking through in this ministry, God has allowed it all and is going to birth forth a glorious move of the Holy Spirit. It's gonna sweep across the state of this nation and infect other nations or other states around it. I hear the cry of the prophetic word. And I remember I began to speak in the capital those words that out of turmoil, God was gonna birth a new nation. I remember we got on the plane and we flew back to America. And then as we got home, the telephone rang and it was the president of the country. And he said, Dr. Liss, will you come to our nation? Our nation is now ready to repent before God. Will you come and lead this nation to repentance? And we jumped on the plane and they flew us to the nation again. And I'll never forget standing in that stadium with thousands and thousands of people and having dinner with the president. And when the president looked at me, he was a born again believer, he looked at me and he quoted Isaiah, I mean, uh, Isaiah 55, verse four and five, what the prophet had spoken. Amen. He said, call the nation to repentance and all across the islands, 
they lit fires and they had fellowships of praise and we stood before God and that night in the stadium with thousands of people and there were angelic visitations on the platform they saw angels standing moving back and forth with fiery swords it was in the newspapers on television the whole nation repented before God the whole entire nation bowed their heads and declared father we ask you to forgive us of our sins and God brought prosperity to the nation of Fiji from that moment on I want you to know God knows every detail where you are what you're going through God is a God that fulfills his promise and he never discards his word and as I walked these out around this church here, I heard the cry of the prophetic words that were spoken over the years for the Lighthouse Ministry. God's gonna bring it forth, friends. You will see it. You will feel it. You will rejoice in it. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't discard God's word that he speaks to you. Listen to it, receive it, let it sink into your being, let it become part of every moment and part of your life and fiber of your body, the word of the Lord. Hold fast to what God has promised you. It will come to pass. The reason I'm sharing this, there are times that you will hear, God will give you a word of promise write down the date of it pray over it hold on to it i remember back in those days in the year 2000 after the coup the former prime minister had stepped down his wife was a true believer and as I was speaking, she came to the platform and spoke to my wife. And she said, she said, your husband, I believe God has a word for my husband, who is not a believer, but he's very formal in his religion. And so after the meeting, I, I stood there with her and I said, I will, I will like to meet him if that's what you feel like. She said, I want to tell you that he will not come to you. He's very proud, very haughty. He's a commander of the military of the nation as well. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoken to me and I said, well, shall I write it out? And you can give it to him. And she said, will you do that? So we did it and sent it to him in an envelope. But the next day she came back to the hotel and said, no. She said, I, uh, he's too proud. He will not open the envelope. There's sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak for you without you even, as it were, contemplating what is going to come forth. And out of my mouth, I said, you tell your husband. I will meet him downstairs at the coffee shop at 10 a.m. in the morning. And I will deliver the word that God has given me for him. She said, he won't come. I said, I, you take that word to him. Because we were leaving that next day to come back to the U.S. I never forget what happened. All of a sudden, at 10.30 a.m., the phone rang in the hotel room. And it was from downstairs, and they said, well, Dr. Liss, will you come down? The former Prime Minister, Rebuka, is downstairs waiting on you. I said, yes, God. I rushed downstairs, we met together, and I gave him the word that God gave me. And the word was, Mr. Rebuka, you're going to have a regeneration spiritually in your life. The second thing is you're going to experience, once again, the call upon your life to step into the leadership of this nation as prime minister. He looked at me and he laughed. He said, I never want to get back into politics. I never want to ever be involved in it again. I've served for eight years. I am tired of it. I'm through with it. I'm going to live my life in retirement and enjoy myself. 
I said, that's okay. There comes a time when you, when you hang on to what God's word said and when you deliver it, it is not your ndaba as we say in Swahili Africa. We say it's God's ndaba. It's God's problem to bring it about. I remember just this past Christmas, I got a telephone call. And in the telephone call was a message. They said, Brother List, the word that you spoke in the year 2000 has come to pass. He is now once again the prime minister of the nation. He's head of the nation of Fiji. I shouted as I listened to that report. 20 some years went by and the word of God was still persistent in bringing about what was declared from the heavenlies. I want you to know, God has given you church promises and they have not dissipated. They are still vibrating with the purpose and the plan of God and it shall come to pass. Hold on to it. Don't discard it, hallelujah. Be faithful to God and understanding of it and leave it with him. In the seventh chapter of the word of God, of the book of John, I'm reminded of something that is so important for us today. As we are facing the conditions that of this nation, we see the turmoil that's going on around the world. Never in, has man ever lived in such a time as this. But I want you to know, though the turmoil is there, though all of this stuff is going on, God still reigns. He's still alive. He hasn't abandoned his post. He's still declaring his glory to those that would seek him and, and cry out to him. There's more souls coming to the kingdom of God right now around the world ever in the history of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Multitudes are coming to the kingdom of God in the midst of conflict. I just want to turn something here and read in, from, in the book of John. Turn with me first of all to the, the, uh, the 11th chapter. And here's an account of Lazarus. When Jesus was away from Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who were intimate friends of his, he enjoyed so much their company. But he was out on his course of ministering around through the area, about two days journey from where they were, and a message was sent to Jesus. And the message that was sent to him was, Master, he whom thou lovest, which was Lazarus, is sick. Will you come and help and heal him? But Jesus did not immediately move. In the 11th chapter, it says that he waited for two extra days. And he made a statement to the disciples. He said, this is not unto death. This sickness, verse four of 11th chapter. And he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. <clears throat> and Jesus lingered for two more days. Then finally he made his process to move and, and journey towards Lazarus. And as he journeyed, <coughs> Death, sickness took its toll. Lazarus died. And they were mourning over the death of Lazarus. And as Jesus approached the area, we find that all of a sudden, Martha found out that Jesus was coming into their village. And she ran to meet him. And she said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. 
And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection. But Jesus said to her these words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Literally what he was, he was declaring who he was. He said, I am the resurrection one. Though he is dead, he shall rise again. I want you to know the Christ that abides in you is not only your savior, he's not only your healer, he is your resurrection of that promise that God has given you. It shall rise, it shall be fulfilled. It shall come to pass, hallelujah. Because circumstances, death, all of those things do not hinder the power of Christ who lives in us to perform wonders and majesties and glorify the name of his Father. For Jesus said, I am. <laughs> do you know who you're talking to? Martha, do you know who you're talking to? I am the resurrection. Oh, praise the Lord. Church, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is within you. Yes. Hallelujah. I call it forth this morning to rise up in you and you to shake off all the doubts and the fears and the despondency and all of those things on your life. Shake it off because the resurrection power lives inside of you today. Oh, hallelujah. Though he are dead, yet shall he live. Oh, hallelujah. Death is no obstacle to God's mighty power and majesty. And notice what happened. And Jesus was led to where Lazarus was in the tomb. And here was Lazarus wrapped in swaddling burial clothes. He was already adorned with the perfumes of death. He had been in the tomb for four days. Notice as Jesus approached the tomb, all of a sudden, she, Jesus said to them, he said, roll away the stone. And, and Martha interrupted and Mary said, no, hey, hey, hey. His, Martha said his body is already decaying. Decay has set in. There's no possibility of life because decay destroys every mechanism within the human body for it to function in life. But all of a sudden, Jesus gave the command. He said, roll away the stone. What I'm addressing this morning, God has given you promises. He's giving you prophetic words and it's taken a long time. And what, is, what have we done? The circumstances of our life have buried them and say, it's dead. It's not possible. Even decay is set in. But I want you to know the one that resides in you, the one that walks with you, he's the resurrection and the life, and he's going to bring it to pass. <laughs> I want you to know that prophetic word that was given 20 years to, to Prime Minister Rebuka, that you one day will become Prime Minister again of the nation. 20 years went by, and I'm, I'm sure that, that in, my, in, in, the, in the heart of, of that man, he thought, no, it's impossible. But all of a sudden, there was a trumpet sound of the people saying, you must become our leader again. And he stepped forth into it. But God had changed his heart. And now he's on fire for the Lord. <laughs> you see, there are circumstances that must take place in order for the explosion of the promise of God. There's a conditioning. There's an order that must come into play that God has. And things begin to happen when it's birthed forth from us at the right place, at the right time. I want you to know, I heard the cry of the prophetic word spoken over this land before the buildings were ever put here, before the church was ever thought about being built. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, I, I sound has not deteriorated, it has not waned, it has not evaporated, it is still here. This will be a place of a great spiritual awakening throughout the state and throughout this nation. 
the pastor, you had not, for, you had not missed it. You were faithful in what God gave you at that time. And God is going to explode it. I was telling Pastor Anthony, I saw motorhomes parked out front. <laughs> People coming from many states around wanting to come. And it's going to be a well of great move of the Holy Spirit, of where people are going to be healed. Signs and wonders are going to manifest. We're going to see the glory of God. Sons and daughters are coming home again into the kingdom of God. Those promises are being refilled and rebuilt within your life. Notice what Jesus said to Martha and to those, and he said to them, he said, roll away the stone. And Martha stepped forward and said, wait a minute, Jesus, his body is already decayed. Conditions do not limit the God that we serve. You hear what I'm saying? God works in strange ways, but conditions of this earth and of man do not restrict God's divine plan and purpose. He is God. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. <laughs> what is that stone? Despondency, fatigue, bewilderment, discouragement, all of these attributes that want you to forget what God promised you and say you missed it <laughs> you missed it no you haven't missed it <laughs> because you're standing in the presence of one who is all he is the resurrection he is the life and that is Jesus Christ and he said roll away the stone and they struggled and they rolled a stone away. And you imagine all the stench coming out of the tomb of the decayed body of Lazarus. And everybody's stepping back. <laughs> and all hell is standing and saying, we told you so. <laughs> but Jesus, who is, the, who is the everlasting one, cried forth, Lazarus, come forth. Saying, come here. Come out of that decay. Come out of that death. And as he screamed forth into the grave, all of a sudden there came a shuffling. <laughs> not, not the shuffling, it was the shuffling of Lazarus' feet. Because what happened, it was not man that attached to Lazarus' body to bring life. It was the word of God that was spoken forth. As Jesus said, Lazarus, the word will bring rejuvenation to your, your word, your promise that God's given you. God will reignite it by the word of his. And it will come forth. And all of a sudden, as he steps forward, Lazarus comes shuffling to the light of the day. And there stands all those around the tomb, as it were, in shock and awe. And Jesus yells out to the people. He said, loose him and let him go. Don't stand there and admire him as a dead corpse. He's alive. I want you to know it's not over. God is bringing it forth into newness of life. Those promises that he gave you years ago, he's bringing it again Amen. to the forefront and it shall become a reality in your life and in this church and in this ministry. Oh my goodness. Do you think Lazarus ever scared, was scared about death again, ever before? No. <laughs> he said, don't tell me about it. I walked through it. I experienced it. Oh, praise the Lord. God is so good as we walk through him. And I have one more thing I want to share with you. There are times that you will hear the voice of God and you will step out and do what God told you to do. And you may not see any results. But don't panic. I want to share with you back in 1949, when our family, my dad in New Zealand, he packed us all up and we got on a ship and we headed from New Zealand to Africa. It took us three weeks by ship, traveling to the different nations and coming to Africa, South Africa. 
we've traveled and, and went to Africa by faith, not knowing one single person in Africa, but only God was saying, go to Africa. I thank God for the faith of my dad. <laughs> I remember the second night, we were staying in a house and my dad came and knocked on our door, three of us boys. I was eight, my brother was nine, and my other brother was 11 and a half. And we used to sing together in the church that Smith Wigglesworth started in Lower Hutt, New Zealand. And we were a trio, three little boys singing. Our favorite song was, No One Cares For You Like Jesus. And I remember we were already in bed asleep about eight o'clock. My dad comes in, turns the light on, and he says, Boys, get up, get dressed. We said, where are we going, Dad? He said, the Lord is telling me to go down to a certain ship, area where the ships are on, on the docks and preach. Well, as three boys, we looked at Dad and said, it's dark outside. <laughs> we're already in bed. But as, parent, as children, we knew to obey our parents. So we got dressed grudgingly and we got on a bus and we traveled down to the, where the ships were, kind of a rundown area, an old hotel and little shops that were all closed. And my dad took his Bible and the wind was blowing that night and it was kind of chilly. And he preached on John 3.16. And he preached like a house on fire. And we looked around and there was nobody on the streets. <laughs> Only us three boys, we were huddled up in a shop entrance. We felt sorry for my dad. I mean, he was just preaching John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I mean, only old one person came out of the hotel, run down hotel that was about to collapse. He came out staggering with a bottle of whiskey in his hand and he went around the corner and disappeared in the dark. That was the only person. And then when my dad gave the altar call, we felt sorry for him. We thought, should we step forward and, you know, put our hands up, you know, confess our sin or whatever. <laughs> We wanted to help him out, you know, because <laughs> he preached to the wind. And our little minds were saying, my dad said, God told him to do this. If God told him, he provided, you know, an audience. And then he said, before I close and ask you to say the sinner's prayer with me, I'm going to ask my three boys to come and sing. No one cares for you like Jesus. I don't know if you ever heard that song. That's what we used to sing in New Zealand. And so we sang not under the anointing, but under obligation, feeling sorry for my dad. And then he, then he reached out his hand and he said, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, <laughs> I repent of my sins. <laughs> and I mean, we, we just had our head down like, oh Lord. And, and, and then he closed up with a powerful prayer at the end of it. He said, well, I guess we need to go home, boys. So we got on a bus and we headed back to where we were staying for a couple of days. And we were talking to each other. Do you think this trip to Africa has caused my dad to lose his mind? <laughs> Who would preach to the wind? I'll never forget. Years went by, 20 some years. I'm now pastoring a church in Oklahoma City. The phone rings, it's my dad from Africa. And he was screaming on the phone, Stephen! I didn't miss it. I didn't miss God. I said, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, 23 years went by. <laughs> he said, you remember when I preached to nobody on the street there in Cape Town, South Africa, on the docks by the ships? And he said, nobody was there? I said, yes, we, I remember. He said, I didn't miss that. 
I said, tell me what happened. He said, this, this week I was in Pretoria at a pastor's conference and a man stood up, he was a pastor, and he was telling about how he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he was in Cape Town, South Africa in this old rundown hotel and he'd left his wife and family and he was bankrupt and he became an alcoholic. And he said that he'd gone, he left his wife in Johannesburg and went thousands of miles to Cape Town and he began, began to take his life. He said he bought a pistol and he wrote a suicide note to his wife and said, it's not your fault. I'm responsible for every hardship you had. And he said, I'm going to end my life tonight. And he got a bottle of whiskey from the store and he staggered down the stairway half drunk out of the hotel and he walked around the corner of the hotel and he said, as I was walking around, there was a man standing preaching a message about the love of Jesus and the price he paid for our sins. He said, I was so ashamed, I, I didn't want him to see me, so I hid in the shadow of the building of the night, so no one could see me, he couldn't see me. And he said, I began to cry, I had the gun in my pocket, I was going down to the water's edge to kill myself. And he said, all of a sudden I began to cry, and I felt on the presence of God on me. And he said, I began to weep and shake, I turned around as you, and I waited until you, they, they left. And then I went into my room and I got on my knees and I prayed that sinner's prayer. And I called my wife and I said, I'm coming home. <laughs> I'm a changed man. I've invited Jesus into my heart. And he said, I wish I could meet that man that stood that night and preached to the thin air. And my dad stood up in the congregation and walked down the aisle. He said, I'm the man that obeyed the voice of the Lord. But for 23 years, I thought I failed. But he said, no, I haven't failed. And this man, he said, what are you doing? This man, my dad said to this man giving his testimony, he said, I'm now a pastor of a church in Pretoria. I'm a pastor leading souls to Christ. I want you to know that's the power. That's the power that I'm talking about. He had not missed it. 23 years went by. He had not missed it. The words that you speak and the deeds you do, God is with you in it and it will come to pass. It will bring forth fruit, my, my brothers and sisters. Stand with me with you. Oh, hallelujah. Stand with me. When Jesus said to Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. <laughs> Death can hold, not hold him. I don't care what discouragement, what obstacles have been in your way of the promise that God gave you. God will bring it to pass. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> that pastor now, before my dad passed away, embraced him as a friend. <laughs> And he said, if you hadn't obeyed God that night in 1949, in October the 19th, if you hadn't obeyed God, I would be in hell, he said. But you did it against all reasoning. You obeyed, and I'm in the kingdom now. I want you to know your obedience to God will bring forth fruit. Maybe not today, but it's coming. <laughs> And I hear the words that were prayed over this sanctuary and over this property and over these, this city. I hear it. It shall come to pass. You're going to see the glory of God like a cloud sitting upon this place. There will be signs and wonders, miracles, people being set free from drug addiction, alcohol, lives transformed by the power of the Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I've been in those kind of meetings. I've been in meetings where, where people drive into the parking lot and they couldn't even get out of their car because the glory of God just settled upon that automobile and they were in there slain under the power of God, praising the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, I've been in those meetings.
I've been in the parking area where they had to carry the people out and put them in vehicles and drive them home because they couldn't drive. They were drunk in the Holy Spirit. I don't want to close with this. I was in a move of God in Morgan City, Louisiana some years ago. And the pastor called me. He said, Brother Stephen, would you come down? And you, we want you to, to, to seek God and show him what's happening. The revival broke out in his church. It wasn't the adults. It was teenagers. They broke in the church. And figured out how to get inside the church. Fourteen teenagers got on the were at the altar when when he walked in and finally found out what was going on in the church. They were crying out to God. Fourteen teenage boys and girls. I was there when I saw what happened. When I flew down there, the power of God. You couldn't even speak. Like a cloud settled over everything. People were being healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was so glorious, I couldn't even speak. Just yielding to the presence of God. And I remember Jehovah Witness were getting saved. Mormons would park their bikes in the foyer, come in and get saved and feel the Holy Spirit. The move of God in Morgan City went from the church into the high schools. I was there when the principal called and said, Pastor, can you please come and tell us what's happening? We can't have class. All they're doing is on their knees, crying and repenting to one another. The hallways are lined with these young people, us sitting on the floor sing, singing Jesus songs. Can you come and tell us what's happening? We went to the high school and here the kids were just slain by the power of God. <laughs> it went weeks after week after weeks. And I'll never forget. <laughs> this one old lady, bless her heart, she must have been my age. <laughs> she was driving home from, from the meeting. <laughs> driving very slow and the deputies pulled up beside her and pulled her over and she rolled the window down and the deputy he walked up and he said ma'am have you been drinking she said uh-huh <laughs> well, what tavern have you been drinking at cornerstone ministries and he said there's no tavern with that name she said oh yeah i've been drinking i've been drinking from god's well and he made the mistake. He reached over and he said, well, ma'am, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you home, but you drive carefully. And he reached over and he tapped her on the shoulder and the power of God zapped him. He fell by her car. The other deputy in the other car, he got out, he walked over and he made the same mistake. <laughs> And here were two of them laying on the ground, deputies. And you know what she did? She said, well, gentlemen, it's nice talking to you, but I got to get home. And she takes off and leaves them laying under the power of the Holy Spirit on the side of the street. I mean, when God moves and they had to go back and explain to their superiors what had happened. That's what I'm talking about. The spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, this kind of move of God is going to uh, uh, burst forth in the midst of you. So get ready for it. Hallelujah. Celebrate what God's going to do. Oh, glory. There's one more thing I want to share with that move of God. The pastor said, well, Brother Steve, I think it's time for us to get a bite to eat. We went to Shawnee's restaurant. I don't know if you heard of Shawnee's restaurant. Like Denny's. We pull in, a lot of the church people would go there after Sunday morning service. We got into the booth, nobody would eat. Nobody went to the buffet. They're just sitting there saying, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> the waitress would come up, fall on their knees and say, will you pray for me? I want, it, I want Jesus in my life.
us about the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. This is what you're going to start experiencing happening. People coming up to you, you never know. All of a sudden want to know who Jesus is. The manager came up to me and he said, sir, he said, this is not good for business. I said, I know it's not, but it's good for God business. <laughs> We had to call for the elders to bring the church bus and pick those folks up because they couldn't drive. They were drunk in the spirit. They had to be taken home by a bus. And they pick up their cars the next day in the parking lot. I want you to know, this is the move that God is talking about coming into your city. Hallelujah. Get ready. Get ready for the overflow of the spirit of God. Let's just lift our hands to what's heaven right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we stand ready to receive your outpouring of your spirit. And we give you praise for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that will go forth throughout this community. That they'll be crying out your name, Jesus, forgive me enter into my life and set me free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for the prayers, for the, the fasting, the sacrifice of this ministry over the years. And now, Lord, we thank you for the sound of the wind of the Holy Spirit that we hear in our ears. The great move of move of God throughout the city and throughout the county and throughout the state. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Come, Pastor. Thanks for joining us today for the latest news and encouraging words from Lighthouse. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. Just say Alexa, play Come Alive podcast. I'm Pastor Dave O, and remember, we come alive through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna catch you next time on Come Alive.